Hello ladies, gents, and non-binary folk. Welcome and welcome back to another episode of the Political This That Podcast. I am your host, Anime. I am so grateful that you decided to tune into another episode. I am also grateful that you decided to plug in your headphones, either wired or wireless, to listen to this podcast. Before we get into the nits and grits of today's episode, I would first like to begin by acknowledging that the land that I am with that I am recording on is the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Anape people. The Algonquin peoples have lived on this land since time began. I believe it's very important and imperative that me as a settler use my platform to acknowledge the land that I'm living on. This is not my land. This is belongs to the indigenous people and I believe that as a settler I need to do my best to educate myself on what's going on and one of which way is to do the land enlargement and there's so much more I need to do and that is also for everyone to do. We are settlers on this land. Indigenous people are continuously leaving this place on their own land. The government is not giving them the attention that they deserve and it's our duty as allies and settlers to do just that. Also today, today is Remembrance Day. Remembrance Day is a day to remember all the lives that have been lost fighting in wars, specifically World War One, but other wars since then. So because of Remembrance Day, I'll be dedicating, I'll be giving a moment to all the lives that have been lost fighting wars. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing Miss Selena Caesar Chavan. Miss Selena Caesar Chavan is a former MP of Whitby. She served in the Liberal Party from 2015 to 2019. She was a parliamentary secretary for the Prime Minister. Her resume is insane. I am so grateful that I was able to interview her for today's episode. Also very exciting to dive into her life as an MP, her life after an MP, some of her experiences, some of the advice she has for everyone. So I'm super excited for everyone to listen. But before we dive in right into that interview, I am going to do my political roundup. So my political roundup is essentially me going over some of the biggest news stories that have happened in the last week. So in last week's episode, that was the day after the you after the election, the U.S. presidential election, and sadly on November 4th, we did not have a conclusive result of who won the U.S. presidential election. However, on Saturday, we came to a conclusion. So on Saturday, it was said that Joe Biden will be the 46th president of the United States with Kamala Harris being his vice president. That is history because Miss Kamala Harris is the first woman, the first black woman, and the first South Asian woman to be vice president of the United States. So regardless of what, of whether you align with their ideals and their politics, it is very it's very important that we still acknowledge the history that's being made with Kamala Harris being in office. And with Joe Biden being elected the new the next president of the United States, we have the current incumbent Donald Trump still refusing to concede. Commencement speech is basically usually after our year, usually after the election has been called and the new president has been called, the runner up will concede and say, you know what, I will work with the new president and so forth. And Donald Trump has not done that. In fact, he has continuously made remarks. Uh, well, first of all, he made remarks that he won the election before the elections, the results of the election were even called. He's also continuously to pursue multiple lawsuits saying that there's some type of voter fraud, and he has not again conceded. So I think that I think that says a lot about his character, both as a person and as a world leader. 
And the second biggest news is that a COVID-19 vaccine is potentially on its way. Pfizer is a company, a pharmaceutical company, and they have seen the biggest progress with a COVID-19 vaccine compared to any other company. As we all know, we're currently in a global pandemic with COVID-19 slash coronavirus happening. Um, it's very unprecedented. We've seen lockdowns, we've seen numbers rising. So of course, a vaccine is definite and it's, in, it's definitely needed. So with this vaccine, they have seen a 90% success in its trial stages. Again, the biggest progress compared to any other type of company or any other trials going on. So this is a very big news. That means we could potentially see a vaccine coming into our lives in, in the early months of 2021. We have a couple of world leaders, including our own Justin Trudeau, that has said that he has he has personally secured millions of doses of this vaccine, but millions of, of doses for this vaccine for Canadian citizens. So we are hopefully on the right track in combating COVID-19. So now on to the episode with Miss Selena Caesar Shivat. Okay. Yes. Hello, everyone. So for our first episode, our first guest, we have the iconic, the badass Miss Selena Caesar Shivat with us. Very grateful for her to join me on our podcast. I wanted her to be on this podcast because I believe, A, she's a badass. I think that's just self-explanatory when it comes to Canadian politics. And I believe she's the first person to start off this podcast with. So welcome. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm such a fan of yours. So oh my God. you to come. Whatever. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm the biggest fan of yours. So I would like you to do your own bio. Um, so yeah, my name is Selena Caesar Chavan. I'm a former member of Parliament, Parliamentary Secretary to the Prime Minister and Parliamentary Secretary for International Development. Before that, I owned a healthcare-based research management company focusing on neurological conditions. I did that for about 10 years and um, was the Toronto Board of Trade Entrepreneur of the Year in 2012, Harry Jerome Award winner in 2007 and had a number of different distinctions in my term in politics, including, but not limited to, um, a feature in O Magazine in 2018, Black Parliamentarian of the Year, and the Mental Health uh, Champion in 2017. Her and Adelaide's Woman of the Year in 2019. Do you guys see her bio? Her bio is insane. We're just talking about on paper, her education. She has two guys, not one, two MBAs, one of them being executive, like an executive <laughs> MBA. Not everyone has that. So, and she's yeah. pursuing her PhD. Yes. And she's at Queen's University. Adjunct yes. lecturer. Oh yeah, I forgot about at, that. Yeah, the oh. senior advisor for equity, uh, diversity, and inclusion initiatives to the Dean of the Faculty of Health Sciences and adjunct lecturer at Queen's. And I just finished my book. It's yes, your book. Yeah. That's the like do you guys see her bio insane and she forgot like i just forgot that i'm yeah i forgot queen's university like that's how legendary she is so i know it's been a while you're an mp you're a former mp so i know it's been a while since you've entered something called question period so i have a couple Mm. questions i'd like to ask you so first house of commons or the senate house of commons provincial sure Provincial or federal liberals? <laughs> Can I say none of the above? Or I have to pick one? Just pick one. 
Oh my God. Okay. Um, if I, to, if I have to pick one, it'll yes. be the federal. It'll be federal. Okay. Premier of Ontario or Prime Minister of Canada? <laughs> and that's why I do federal because it's Prime Minister of Canada. There we yeah. go. If you could leave <laughs> any country or state, what country would you choose or state and why? Hmm. Well, I mean, I'd love to lead here in Canada. I think there's a number of different initiatives, especially around equity and justice that I could get behind. Um, but yeah, yeah, Canada, yeah. Just saying guys, if there is a leadership race in the federal liberals, just watch out for her. That's all I gotta say. You better watch out. She's coming and she's coming. I'm, guns I'm blazing. coming. I'm coming. I'm, guns not even, I'm not even pretending with that. I'm coming. She's coming. A secret about the House of Commons nobody knows that you can tell us a that you have to tell the world. House of Commons that nobody knows. And you're allowed to tell us because we don't want you to break like procedure or anything. Um, so those little. So <laughs> The prime minister keeps a stack of those signed, his signed, um, you know, where beside his desk it has those um, name tags. Mm -hmm. Keeps a stack of them, like, already signed in his <laughs> So just to give out? Yeah, to give out to people. Um, and I, I took a stack of them. I don't think he'll hear this, so it's fine. I mean, he could just get new ones. <laughs> what, is, what is he going to do at this point? I, well, you know what? Because I always have people coming in, and then every now and then I have to like ask people, "Can you get me some? Can you get me some?" So I like just, I just took. That was what she did before she left off. I don't have any more. I give them out to people. I don't have any. But maybe you'll have to like talk to someone to sneak you in some. Maybe. Um, favorite song at the moment. Oh my gosh. Um. Oh my god. Um. Okay, so I have a lot of favorite songs. Um, Pick one. What is my favorite song of at the moment? I would have to say, Just because her you have different songs for different things. Like I need a hype song, right? So you have your hype, hype song, song, your sad song. Yeah. So my, I have to look at my, my playlist. So my, my hype song would be Never Scared by Ghostface Killer. Um, my and that one has a lot of bad words but my other hype song will be bossy um and then my kind of chill song is go crazy by chris brown sorry i know it's not good it's okay um, you're forgiven my chill song is the whole john legend album Ooh. and then my like um my sort of you know, go to every now and again is Meg the Stallion. Guys, she's a Meg the Stallion fan. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's one thing guys should know about her. She's a Meg the Stallion fan. Which Meg the Stallion fan. I'm just like, you know, when you, you know, when, like, especially at this time when like we're in our houses and we're not like out and we can't like get dressed up. You know, when you dress up and you put on like a savage song on, you know? Yes. Yes. You know, and like yes. you can't do that, but like you need to hype yourself up every now and again. Like this selling, she's just and I'm she's like, amazing. Yes, I am dope, and Period. that does that for me. Yeah. Favorite person you follow on social media? 
favorite person I follow on social media. I mean, besides me, like I know I'm favorite, <laughs> but like besides me. Besides you. It could be Instagram, Twitter. Um, who would be my favorite person that I follow on social media? I don't even, I don't even know. I don't, I don't even know who I really follow, to be honest. Who gives me, who makes me hype? Um, I don't know. I, 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 that's a hard one. I mean, I don't even think about those questions. You can just go with me because, you know. Yeah, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I'll think about that one. I'll think about it. Um, favorite fast food or place to eat out? Okay. So In I'm Ottawa. A- In Ottawa. Let's do Ottawa. Oh, okay, okay. I'm a foodie. I so love, kind of food love, 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 love good food. So I'm not eating out no fast food restaurants. Okay. So in Ottawa, the whale's bone on Elgin. Oh my gosh. The hen, order the hen with a ga- glass of Prosecco. Mm, so good. Okay. So good. I will try that. I will try that. Yeah. I'll try it when, you know, everything gets somewhat. Dies down. Yeah. yeah. And then I'll try it. <laughs> and last question, Starbucks or Tim Hortons? Oh God! Uh, none of the uh, uh. So you're not. Would, so you're not no. a cafe person. No. Like if you're doing a road trip and you have to stop, you're not gonna get. Starbucks. It, it would have to be Tim Hortons because I'm not doing Starbucks. You don't like Starbucks? No. And then what do you no, get? Tim? No, no, no. I'm not a Starbucks fan. I'm not a Howard Schultz fan. I'm a. Canadian through and through, but it's not Canadian anymore, but whatever. If you go with Tim's, what yeah. do you usually order? Uh, I'll order a tea, double cream. Um, double cream, one sugar, because I like cream in my tea. Uh, and that's it. I don't really eat. You're not anything. a caffeine person. No, I don't drink coffee. Okay. No, I don't. I, I have, in my entire time at, in politics, I had maybe five or six cups of coffee. Yeah. And that was for like marathon boats and stuff like that, where I just needed to like be awake. There's people who drink that much in a day. I know. I know. I've had that in about the last, I may have had 10 cups of coffee in the last 10 years. (laughs) I mean, I don't drink coffee myself. Like I don't drink coffee, but just to hear like you're in politics, you would think like the energy. Wow. No, no, I, I need tea. I need to, I, I'm so hype all the time that I if I had caffeine, it might not. I need things that can mellow me out and just chill and get me like, get my mind in the right frame of mind. Otherwise, I don't think anybody wants Selena on caffeine. No. Some, we don't know what would happen. I feel like House of Commons, maybe shaking up a little bit. They'll be like, who's this woman? <laughs> like, I'm here. You, I was here before, but now I'm caffeinated. I'm now, you're usually cubesy because Selena Caesar Chavan. So you'll be like caf- caffeinated, Selena. Caffeinated, yeah. So I'll be C4. I'll be C4. like the explosive. Oh no one would be ready for that one. I just feel like, but no. shit would happen. Would. Stuff would happen. Yeah. Stuff would happen. <laughs> So now we're going to answer the questions. Well, these are the questions I have for you. And then we'll go to the questions that people. So what was your first political moment or experience in your life? Like before going into politics, what was like the first monumental moment that in politics? Um, Well, I had 
volunteered for Jean Augustine, of course, the first black woman elected to the House of Commons. And she's from Grenada, I'm from Grenada. So the whole family went down to help her. And when she was elected, it was kind of like, wow, like, you know, I helped to do that. So I, I never really thought about politics much after that. It wasn't until I got to the House of Commons that I was kind of like thinking about how monumental that was, but also how tragic it is that I'm alive, she's alive. And we've had the first, her being the first and me being the second black women who've been parliamentary secretaries to prime ministers and we're both alive, meaning that it's happened in our lifetime. Which is cool, but also crazy that it's only been you two. Yeah, and, and that, you know, it's everything is so recent. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it just makes you kind of think about access to our democracy, access to these systems, when, you know, we've, we, we could, I could call her right now and say, hey, what's up? And we're, we're both still here. You know, it's both, both of these things have been in very recent history. And the democracy, that Canada is over 150 years old, so. Mm-hmm. Only that much progress. And then we just. It's interesting, yeah. And we just recently had our, well, our first black woman to lead a federal party with Annemie Paul. So that's kind of like, yeah. it's been, it just keeps going and going. And we just want to continue it going. For sure. Like, I was speaking to Annemie this morning, actually. I saw that. I was like, I said, I said I'm just like queens. I'm just like legends, literally legends. <laughs> Why? That was a fun call. So, kind of going off like your first political moment and volunteering with John Augustine, what kind of decide, what made you say I'm going to run to be MP for Whitby? Because you got elected in uh, 2015, and you first you first ran in 2014 in the by-election. So, what kind of said yeah. you know what I'm going to go for this? Um, it was a challenge. First of all, um, I love things that challenge me. I love things where you know you never know if you're going to win so it's one thing to say oh i wanted to help my community and things like that yeah that's part of the job but you never know if you're going to win and i think the challenge of wanting to win and figuring out how if you lose if i lost the by-election how i could win the general election like that is that is where my mind works best around that kind of strategic thinking and that strategic shift of mindset that requires you to go from a very public loss to a very public win and so what elements of the campaign did i need to change in order for that to happen and um even before that even deciding to run uh was to run against jim flaherty who was the former um minister of finance unfortunately he died hence triggering the by-election but i wanted to run um to beat him <laughs> it's a confidence for me like, you want to you want to slay the dragon you don't want to go mm-hmm. around you know mucking around with mice you want to you want to be you want to go for it you want to go big or go home and that's my kind of attitude that it's better to to go big go big or go but, home yeah <laughs> i love it so what well I'm, what was like your first Day. like what was the first you've you're now elected everyone's elected justin trudeau got the majority of government what was your first day in government as, as mp of whitby what was that like so the first day so of course the net, the day after the election in uh october 20th 2015 the reality of what you've done now settles in because it's now oh i want to be the voice of the people of whitby in ottawa and i want to you know do all this stuff and you're like well what does that actually mean 
And so my first day was, I called the mayor of Whitby and we had a meeting because I wanted to make sure I understood what his challenges were and what he needed federal assistance with. And then I had some meetings with some constituents. I went around and took down my signs um, it's not all glamorous work. <laughs> I was out in the cold, taking down signs, meeting neighbors, thanking them for voting for me. Um, and then getting, getting to the House of Commons, I think the first, the first time that I was there was around my swearing-in ceremony. And that was a real surreal experience because just before I signed into the registry, the clerk said that everybody who's ever been a member of parliament, which is a fraction of a percentage of Canadians who have been a member of parliament have everyone has signed their name into history and at that moment the reality sets in where oh my goodness I'm standing like below this huge painting of the fathers of confederation in parliament and it's you know me in my leather dress and my you know fur fur glit and yeah. I'm you know looking badass and I'm standing under the fathers of confederation knowing that when they decided to build that place, they weren't designing it for women and in particular for black women. And I was like, yeah, I'm here. And I'm gonna sign my name. <laughs> entrenched, entrenched in history, cannot be ever yes. taken. My sign, I wanted to get like a Sharpie, like one of those, you know, you could never get rid of that ink. Like kind of I'm like, here, I am yeah. here and I'm not going anywhere. Not going anywhere. That name will stay in that book. Sue Cubes is forever gonna be in that book. Like yes. for life. For so now life. you're an MP. You've now done your four years. So now it's kind of like, well, what, what was your, I've asked, what was your best day and worst day as an MP? I think I said this to you before. Mm -hmm. The best day and the worst day were the same day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you did. Um, and that was the day of here for Selena. Um, of course, the more that you speak up, in politics, especially as a woman of color, a black woman, um, about issues that people tend to shy away from. So mental health, racial justice, uh, social justice, um, equity, inclusion, people feel it appropriate to gaslight because who am I to be saying, talking about any of these subjects? And um, you know, I was really vilified by media, by Canadian public, and, you know, on the day of Here for Selena, that hashtag came out, and it just showed me that I was on the right side of history, because at, at those times when you're being gaslit, you feel almost as if I did something wrong, like, what did I do? Like, how, how did it go so terrible? And Canadians showed up and showed me that, no, this is, you're on the right side of history. And then that day was also the day when I realized that even through all of that gaslighting that my, my party did not stand with me. Um, and that day, that evening, of course, when it's getting national, international attention that this black woman is getting support in Canada, then the prime minister calls. And I was furious because I just kept thinking, where were you the whole three weeks before? Where was your tweets of support? Where was your your calls to see how I was doing. And you know, it actually, that day sort of came to my mind very recently when we heard about Shonda Rhimes leaving ABC and going mm -hmm. to Netflix. And people were saying, you know, because of a Disneyland ticket, you know, she asked, she asked for her sister to get a park pass. 
and it didn't work and it just seemed like ABC was indifferent about it and she just she left and that story resonated with me this woman had made ABC three billion dollars and they couldn't get her a park pass I'd worked in that liberal party for three years like just doing my best job and I couldn't even get a phone call to say are you okay and that that is when Nina the switch says, it was like the yeah switch when, when Nina Simone says you gotta leave when love is no longer being served that's when I realized that the, the table I was sitting at they were either throwing crumbs my way or they were not serving me at all and I just thought deuces <laughs> so was that kind of like well for people who didn't know what the what the here for something is hashtag is so basically former mp i say former because he is former mp maxine bernier was said something and you being the baddest that you are just said i'm gonna speak out and i'm not gonna allow this and people on social media i told him to check his privilege check his privilege because he's, like, he's a white man and he, he was, was tweeting like he if you guys know who maxine bernier is um creator of people's party of canada kind of at that point he was still for the conservative party and he was saying these racist comments and miss selena told him to check his privilege and that kind of caused this outrage in media and people were shocked kind of as a black woman telling a white man to check his privilege as one should but that kind of spoke broke out this big outrage over the media for those who weren't aware for the here for selena moment and it was international like everybody was talking about this so yeah. Very interesting to know that the prime minister took a Well, walk. there was a three-week gap between Maxine Bernier's tweet and here for Selena. So I was being dragged for three weeks. I was like, it, the the messages under my, my social media were horrible. I was being called the most racist MP in Canada. I was, you know, told how dare I talk about white privilege, you know, it doesn't exist, racism doesn't exist, systemic racism doesn't exist. And I was just like, y'all are, you guys are crazy, you know? And so I think that that for me was, was, the, was a, a profound moment where you realize that, you know, it's not just that I was fighting people on from a different party or from people who didn't understand systemic racism my own party was not willing to step up and defend me or denounce what people were saying about me and that i wasn't having that so that kind of was like the turn in your brain because you did for our personal conversations you said you always wanted to be a you plan to be a two-term mp so this was your first yes. time. So was that kind of like in your switch of saying like i'm not gonna was that the first switch in your mind? Like, I'm not that was the run first. for real That was the first. Yeah. So that this was, was the 2017, first if I'm not mistaken, right? This was 2018. 2018. Yeah, that was, this was the March of 2018. And so it started, I started going. But, you know, it wasn't even the starting point. I think this was more of the middle point. Hmm. So, um, as you know, my book is coming out and a lot of the stories in there will explain what happened during the first and second year. So by the time I got to 2018, I was like, you all are actually crazy. Like you, you really are saying that you want diversity, saying that you want, you know, diversity is our strength and you're a feminist government. And now they're talking about intersectional feminist policy so here y'all don't even know what that means first of all secondly um that's not what you want 
you, you don't want that. And this was a government that talked about feminism and diversity within the context of being bold and transformative and doing government done differently. So you're layering on top of these, all these things that are, that the expectation is, is that you're going to be bold and you're not. Like performative, essentially. You're being performative. You're saying, I'm going to do all this. Absolutely. I'm going to get into this. And this kind of dives into, you told, you told me about this, but Miss Selena was the parliamentary secretary for the prime minister, which as a rookie MP, she's coming into the gates and being a parliamentary secretary of the prime minister. That's a badass thing. Like that's most rookie MPs are not in cabinet. They're not parliament secretaries. For you to not only be parliament secretary, but for the prime minister itself was cool and amazing. And then kind of talk to us a little bit about that. What, what, is, what essentially is the parliamentary secretary for the prime minister? What did that entail? And what kind of led you to be like, okay, I'm going to leave this position. <laughs> Um, so essentially, the way it's supposed to work is that the parliamentary secretary to any minister operates in a tag team sort of position. So if the prime minister cannot attend meetings, events, international or national, um, we tag team and I go in his place. Um, that didn't happen. Uh, I wasn't able to answer questions on his behalf in question period. I was told explicitly that I was not to do that. Other parliamentary secretaries, if their minister is not available during question period, answers questions on their behalf. I was explicitly told I was not allowed to do that, um, either, even though other people did, because he did have a parliamentary secretary for intergovernmental affairs and for youth, and they were answering questions on, on those files. Um, and so, and then, then lastly, um, I wasn't asked to do any international events until um, I went to the White House for the, the visit with Obama, but I wasn't going to the state dinner. I was the only elected official that did not go to the state, the state dinner. Um, the second time I was asked was to go to the National African American Museum opening in Washington. And then the third time was to go to the inauguration of a Kufa Auto in Ghana. And I kept thinking, are you only asking me to go to black events? <laughs> like, I, yes, I am a black woman. <laughs> I really event, can't make like, this stuff No, up. no, but like, you're also like, yeah, you're a black woman, but like, I'm the parliamentary secretary for the prime minister. It's like, it's so like, so the other parliamentary secretaries were speaking. I was not allowed to speak, but other then parliamentary I'm... secretaries were doing domestic stuff and international stuff. Like they were, with, and I mean, I I created a framework for the job, so I actually put out the job description with milestones, with deliverables, with measurable um, uh, metrics, uh, key performance indicators. I had all of that created and submitted it to the prime minister's office, saying, you know, this is some of the things I think I could do. I could be a liaison within with caucus. I could be a liaison with the other parliamentary secretaries. I could attend cultural events on your behalf and ensure that the voice of the, that consti those constituencies are reflected in our policy. And they did not want me to do any of that um, and didn't want me to do anything. So I just thought, you actually don't want to have me in this job. You want to have a black woman who appears to be in this job, but you don't want me to actually have a job. So in December of 2016, after being in the job for a year, I said, I don't want to do it anymore. I think also important thing to say that like, what was your first thing you told the prime minister when? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So an important in, aspect for people to know. 
Yeah, so in December of 2015, during our first meeting, so I got elected in October, first meeting with the Prime Minister on the Hill is, is December of 2015. And I said to him, look, I said, let me tell you something. If you have put She came in guns blazing, guys. She came in guns blazing. She's like, I am not wasting any time. First sit down with the Prime Minister. I'm going to say, this is who I am. Look, let me I'm tell you something. Table, I'm gonna, this is what I'm bringing to the table and you're either going to respect it or you're not simple <laughs> so i said let me tell you something if you have asked me to be your parliamentary secretary to fill any racial or gender gaps that you have in your cabinet i don't want it i'm perfectly happy being the member of parliament for whitby i don't need a title and he said no 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 of course not you're here on merit blah 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 and then yeah. i'm only being put in i'm only being seen three times Right. And, and I mean, this is a year. So remember that first year that he was in uh, elected, he was everywhere internationally. Mm -hmm. He was everywhere. So I mean, even the thought of, okay, if you're everywhere internationally, what, what can Selena do for you domestically? Yeah. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. the, I was never asked to attend a, an event on his behalf, except for those three. Do we have and I mean each each of them were very interesting trips. Um but it was it was it was the, the reality set in that he only wanted me there because I was black and I could fill a certain stereotypical role and attend things that he actually didn't want to be at. So So you left December twenty sixteen. Now we're in November twenty twenty. do we have a parliamentary secretary for the Prime Minister as we speak? No, no. So after I left that role, that role has been, he's never had another one. I was the last parliamentary secretary to the prime minister. <laughs> I think that's, I don't think I need to say much on that topic. I think you guys can put two and well, two together. It speaks to the merit of what I'm saying, right? Like if you have someone there that's just going to be a token, why do you have them there at all? And uh, maybe I'm the one that challenged him to think about that reality. But I'm, I live a very authentic life. And so I'm not going to be in a position just to have a title for the sake of having a title. That's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in doing a job. I'm a smart woman. I'm very strategic. And if you don't want to use me for my brain, then don't use me at all. Period. So right. if you are okay, and if you're allowed to dive in, kind of explain to people your personal relationship with the Prime Minister when you got elected up till now. Like, there's another question I also have. Like, when you leave office, do you also interact with some people? Like, like, could you call the prime minister up if you wanted to? But how was, well, first, how was your relationship when you got elected, when you left parliamentary secretary up to the time you decided I'm not running for office to the time where I'm not running for re-election, all of that for basically the four year span of your relationship to the present day, if you can speak. Yeah, so very succinctly, I could give that. Um, so the relationship was was good. I mean, I, I won't say that we're friends, we're colleagues. And, um, you know, can I have a beer with a guy? Sure. Um, and I'm sure we've done that a couple of times. But when I was leaving Parliament, and I, I told him that I was leaving, he was in the middle of the SNC-Lavalin scandal, where he had pressured the former Minister of Justice and Attorney General to drop charges on a company that was corrupt, basically. And, um, 
she'd left on the same day that I was going to say that I was leaving. And he was furious. He said that I can't have two powerful women of color leave at the same time and started to berate me and talk to me in a way that I was just like, who are you speaking to? Um, and so there was a lot of tension in our relationship towards the end. Um, and I think there may still be some tension in the relationship. I couldn't care less. I'm not, I don't go to work to make friends with people. I go to work to do my job. So I, I couldn't care less that we're friends or not. Um, right now, I still reach out to the PMO um, when there are issues that I think need to be addressed. Um, and I think clear demonstration of that is, you know, the NSARS uh, campaign in Nigeria. Um, I did one video and within 24 hours, the Minister of Foreign Affairs responded. Um, I still send messages, especially when uh, Immigration Canada had issues with um, reconnecting spouses who were common law, who are not um, married or, or in common law relationships, um, send messages to the minister and within a very short period of time, it, it's sorted out. Um, but I think more importantly, you know, one of the, the messages that I sent to the prime minister was around blackface. And when that happened, you know, I didn't want, at the time, the most, I thought that the, the policies most suited to protect black, the black community were the liberal policies. There was a lot of money that was committed in the 42nd parliament that I didn't want to disappear. So I didn't want the liberals to lose that, this election. I didn't mind that they're a minority, but I didn't want them to lose because I didn't want the community to lose that money. And so I called and I said, I emailed and I said, you know, look, you need to do a couple of things. One, you need to apologize. Two, um, just like with a child, you need to say what, what you learned and how you're gonna fix it. So what you learned, he was in the prairies, he was at Manitoba, the Museum of Human Rights. He could have talked about how dehumanizing minstrel shows were that were rampant in the in the prairies he could have talked about the history of blackface in canada he chose not to then i said you know you need to say what you learned so i actually wrote out a list of 43 things that could happen with the 43rd parliament i tweeted it i so the the the, the email was private but i tweeted the 43 things um Number one, and especially getting rid of or repealing mandatory minimums, which was a campaign promise of 2015, um, expunging records for cannabis possession, um, something that we legalized that, you know, that disproportionately negatively impacted Black and Indigenous uh, people who are in, in federal prisons. So those are examples of things that I said that they could do and as tangible things they could do. And also like ensuring that you know, Black-owned corporations had access to procurement opportunities with the federal government, which is the largest procurer of goods and services in the country. None of those things were done. And so for me, I just kept thinking like, you know, you have been given the 42nd Parliament a majority mandate. You disrespect our community by having Blackface, not one, two, or three times. You don't even remember how many times you've done it. And then you choose in a moment of Black Lives Matter protests in 2020 to take a knee and stand up and still do nothing. So I, I can't roll with that anymore. I, I, I mean, I wasn't rolling with him in the first place. That's why I left parliament and I left uh, the Liberal Party and sat as an independent at the end of my term. But 
his, his actions are not indicative of somebody who actually values black communities across Canada. Actions speak louder than words. Funny thing, I remember the day you set as an independent, because that's the first day we met. That's the first day we met. I had, so from my point of view, I was like, I love this woman. I didn't even meet her before, you know, because I, this was first year. April was coming. I was going to go back home for summer. And then, you know, the election was 2019. So I didn't even meet this woman before I go back. And we had, and I heard that she was stepping down, stepping, she wasn't going, you weren't going again for re-election. I'm like, I need to meet this woman. I need to meet this woman. So we made the date. The date so happened to be the date that she decided to say as an independent. Funny enough, I went to question period that day and I was like, so the way question period works for those who have not been there, question period is like you have the liberals on one side, the conservatives and the NDPs on one side. So usually all the liberals sit on one side and then the conservatives sit on the other. And I'm on the liberal side, liberal side looking down, looking across to the conservatives. And usually before question period starts, some like um, MPs will talk to each other from different parties. And I remember seeing Ms. Selena on the other side the entire time of question period that usually doesn't happen but it didn't click in my head and then uh after that we i after that i went to your office and then that's the first time i got internet access and the first thing i saw was set to sit down as an independent step down from the liberal party and sit as an independent i was like whoa like game she game to them like that makes sense and that was a very hectic day for you i can imagine it was, and I, I totally forgot that that was the first day we met, but now that you're saying it, I remember you coming to my office, and I'm just like... Like you were talking to your husband, you're just like, the love yeah, things were going it was, on. It was, it, was, it was such a hot mess. It wasn't, it wasn't really a hot mess, I wouldn't say that. It was just so chaotic because the decision was made within hours. So I went to Ontario caucus that morning, and it was such a terrible caucus meeting. Um, they were just berating Jane Philpott for her decisions. And every now and again, they'll throw my name into there. And I was just like, shut what? up. Like, what do I have to do with this? Like, I'm just minding my business. Me, I'm minding my own business. I'm minding the business. Right, right. Why are you, I don't, I don't get it. Why, why, you're at, why are you at me? Why are you in my DMs? So, um, so after that, I just thought, no, I, I don't, I don't belong here. I, 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 I knew I didn't belong here, but now that meeting just solidified that I'm, I don't belong here. And so I, within two hours, so from 10 o'clock, so four hours, 10 o'clock that morning to two o'clock when question period started, I just made it. I talked to Jane. I talked to Jody Wilson Raybald. I talked to Jane Philpott, Jody Wilson Raybald. I said, "Look, I'm just I'm going to sit as an independent. I just want you to know what the plan is." I called my husband, and he was like, "Babe, what do what do you mean? What do you do?" I said, "I can't do this anymore." And I said, "I don't want you to find out on the news. I'm just going to let you know." And then I hung up because I knew if he talked to me anymore, he would probably talk me out of it. And then I went to the speaker's office, and I just sat in his office, and I said, "You need to." find me a new seat. I'm no longer sitting as a liberal. And I sat in there and you could see like on his face because he was a liberal as well. But of course, when you're speaker, you don't, you don't identify, but he was elected as a liberal. And he just looked at my face and you could see that he was so sorry for everything that had happened. Like he just looked distraught. And, it, and I just said, just don't do that. Like you can't make me cry right now because I said, but can you just let me sit in your office? Can I just stay here and just 
because it was warm in there. And I, as soon as things like that happen, like I get really cold, like my anemia kicks in and I, I, I get really cold and like scared almost. And I said, can I just sit in your office? And he said, yeah, you can stay in my office until two o'clock. And I said, okay, thank you. And I stayed there until I took my new seat on the opposite side of the liberal benches and nobody knew at that point, except for Jane and Jody and my husband that that was gonna happen that day. And then after that, you come out with like media and like everything. It's kind of like, whoa, kind of like you didn't, you weren't in scrum. Did you have to, did you do a scrum? Afterwards? I didn't. So I, I avoided it by going out the back entrance. I just didn't want to. One, one reporter caught me <laughs> from the CBC, um, but I went out the back entrance because I just didn't feel like doing, doing media. It was, it was too long. It was a draining day. Imagine. So now you talk about in Parliament, Parliament can be kind of isolating and lonely. So who was kind of like the body to your class? Who was your support system? And also, did you engage with other people from the other side? Like, did you have friends from the Conservatives? Did you have friends from the in, from the NDP, Green Party, Independence? Like, who was A, your body and client? Who were your other friends or colleagues that you associated with outside of the Liberal Party, if you had any? Yeah, so I would say I, I didn't really have a Bonnie and Clyde, I uh, literally, the rule is for me, I don't go to work to make friends. Mm -hmm. So it just, it just becomes distracting. Um, but I'd say somebody who was really in my corner for most of a lot of the stuff that I was going through was Ad Adam Vaughn, who's the member of parliament for Spazina, Fort York. And he was really someone who, um, he was really someone who, you know, just stood by me. He actually started with Andre Domi's here for Selena. He started that hashtag. Um, but to say friendships on the other side, I was acquaintances. I, I had a lot of, you know, where we go for drinks or, you know, just little chit chat and stuff with a lot of people, a lot of conservatives. In fact, some that you wouldn't even imagine that I would talk to, um, had great conversations with. And that's the thing about parliament. Like I wasn't hyper-partisan. So it was easy for me to move in between all of the different parties and not worry about that too much, right? Because um, I wasn't as partisan as, as much as I was about, concerned about doing the job and making sure that we had policy that helped people who needed it the most. And that was my priority. Questions from other people. So someone asked, what was the hardest part of being a black woman in government? Um, the feeling of being alone, I would say, you know, it was, I mean, I was the only black female member of parliament out of 300, of the person that most identifies as black, I guess, out of 338 people. And that loneliness is, um, especially when you're trying to fight for social justice issues for the black community, going up against conservatives who are talking about, you know, Maxine Bernier was, was basically dissing the investment that we we're making in the black community in the 2018 budget. And that's, that's when I told her to check its privilege. And, you know, fighting for those things, fighting for repealing mandatory minimums, fighting for those issues that impact the people that need it the most, just to, you know, to be silenced or to be shunned even by your own party. That was, that was tough. That was tough because I was a disruptor, you know, and, and the criticism is like, oh, you know, Selena, you know how government moves, it moves really slowly. And I, I was like, I don't care. We have a majority mandate. 
and I, I want I want people to understand the contrast because in a majority they're talking to me about the government moving very slow. We have a minority government right now in COVID, and you, we see how fast government can move. All of a sudden, everybody has political will to make it move. But when we're talking about issues related to social justice, it's oh, we need to take our time. We can't move that fast. Perhaps you could wait. And I'm like, I'm guaranteed four years. That's all I'm guaranteed because I could lose the next election. This is a borrowed job. This is not my seat. It belongs mm -hmm. to the people of Whitby. And I don't know if it's going to come back. So I want to push for this to happen right now. Um, someone asked, why did you think it was important to go back to school after such a, after um, being an MP? Because if you guys didn't know, she's pursuing her PhD. So like another <laughs> um, degree to add to the bucket. I'm telling you guys, educated woman, we love to see her. Yeah, you know, I'm, um, I, I love education. I love reading. I actually wanted to do it while I was in Parliament because Parliament, I was reading so much information. I thought, what am I reading all this for if I'm not going to use it towards something? So, <laughs> so if I'm going to be reading all this information, I might as well get getting a degree out of it or something like that. Or I'm writing speeches and papers and all kinds of stuff, so I might as well use it for something. And so I think that the education is a passport to freedom. It's a passport to knowledge. The more you know, the more you could advocate for people who, um, who you want to help. And I'm not saying that book knowledge is the most important thing. I'm, you know, I'm just saying it's a component of education, uh, listening to people, understanding their stories are critically important, but also being able to take that information and transfer it into policy or transport it into programs. Um, I want to be able to do that with confidence. So, uh, what challenges did you face while you were campaigning for your seat as MP for Whitby? That was actually the easiest part. So, you know, really? Whitby, yeah, Whitby is seventy percent um, white. It's not it, it, it's not a winnable riding for a black woman by any stretch of the imagination. But I mean, I just I work hard and I know what I want. And I wanted to win. So whatever I needed to do to win, <laughs> you know, all I do is win, 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 win no matter what. what? <laughs> and that's what I wanted. So um, that was motivating enough for me. And I didn't think about the whole notion of it being an unwinnable writing or being a oh, that was that would have all of that me. stuff. Yeah, I just knew how many votes I needed to get, and then you know add some more to that to get a nice little cushion and win it. That's it. And mm -hmm. you know it's about convincing people at the door. I wasn't hyperpartisan, so I didn't have to worry about you know being dyed in the red wool, whatever, liberal. Um, I didn't have to worry about that. So I could have a decent conversation with people at the door, whether they were NDP, green, conservative, or had never voted before in their life. I could, I could have a conversation. Whether they vote for me is not the point. The point is, is that we can have a conversation together. And that's where I think, that's what I think is important when we, come, when it, we talk about the strength of our democracy. So I have last three questions. We're going to try to get through this as fast as possible because I know you are a busy woman and you have things that need to be done. So I'll say, what was the coolest moment of your political career? What is one meeting Barack Obama? Ooh, what and is sitting behind Oprah at the opening of the museum? Cool. And being <laughs> on, oh, I'm assuming being on own magazine, kind of. Yeah, like. and being an own magazine was pretty was pretty hype. What is one issue that is dear to you, to your heart, that you believe needs to be talked about more and the government needs to do more action on? Remove, repeal mandatory minimums. 
our justice system is is killing our families it's killing our communities and um we need to have an overhaul of our justice system and we could start with something as simple as repealing mandatory minimums and last question i created this podcast to give young people a space where they can talk about issues that are pertaining to them so what do you have for young people young people in general and also young black women who may want to run for politics or interested what do you have to say for the young people of today in order to amplify their voices be authentic don't go into these spaces that weren't designed for us to be there anyway and try to change yourself to fit into those spaces be authentic um i think at the beginning when i went the first two years i was in politics i tried to be quiet i tried to conform i tried to play by the rules and then i let selena's all my perceived flaws about you know you know clapping back and being too loud and all the things that they say that black women are not supposed to be getting angry i let all those things come to play and really defined my position within politics so i think um i think we need to be authentic but you also have to be safe about being authentic i'm 46 years old i could i could clap back and i don't have to worry about losing my job right so I think in as much as we talk about authenticity, you could be intentional about keeping parts of yourself hidden because it's, it's, it's safe for you and it protects you. You could do that, but at some point you want to be able to live where you have 100% of your whole self out there. And I think that that living to your truest potential, living as authentically as possible is what will change the world. That is it, guys. That is a conversation with Miss Selena Caesar Chavan. I'm so <laughs> thankful that you're my first guest. And thank you that to the time to be on this podcast. Guys, she has a book dropping off in February 2021. Is it available for pre-order now or do we still It is available for pre-order? It's in the it's in my signature. I actually have a call with Penguin Random House Ooh, right now. You see guys, booked and busy. Yeah. So yes, guys, this is hers. They follow her on Instagram, follow her on Twitter. I'm gonna put all of those things there. At I am Selena CC. Yes. You still have your two accounts. You still have MP Selena, and you still. I do on Instagram. Yeah, because they won't let me get rid of it. So I have to. They won't let you get rid of it. No. You can't delete it. No. No. It's okay. You're still. You're all. You're always gonna be MP Selena. Always. (laughs) Your name is entrenched in that book for life. So. Thank you guys. Thank you so, so much for coming in. I'm so thankful. And yeah, that is it guys. Thank you. Thank you, Anime. Thank you to all your listeners. Stay motivated. The world needs you to go big or go home right now. We need you to, we need all of your ideas. We need young people to really be active, activated and civically engaged. So thank you for using your platform to amplify that message. Thank you. Thank, thank you very you. much. Bye.